I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and next to me, as always, is Matt. Hello, my name is not Courtney. My name is Matt. (laughs) Yes, it is. And we're very excited to bring you today's episode, which is Stop the Excuses, Five Practical Strategies to Getting Out of Your Own Way. So the title of this episode is Stop the Excuses, Five Practical Strategies for Getting Out of Your Own Way. So it's good to know that uh, one of us knows what we're doing, Courtney. I read it out wrong, sorry. No big deal, we'll get over it. This is why I don't lead off <laughs> the shows. <laughs> this is why this is your job, Matt. This is your job. I blame you for this. Okay. Well, well that's perfect. <laughs> that is absolutely perfect for the, uh, the content of this episode. So in case you don't know, Courtney and I are personal trainers. We have also gone through some pretty dramatic uh, weight loss journeys of our own. So we've been exposed over the years to a number of, well, how should I put this? Awful excuses, all of which we've used. So we've used them, we've heard them. And we often find that people come up, come across certain things that seem to be getting, getting in the way more often than not. So we thought, you know what? Let's not just call out these bad excuses. Let's give practical strategies and ideas for removing them. Yeah, absolutely. So what the way we thought, Matt and I thought that we would design this episode was we are going to be giving the excuse that we hear a lot and then we are going to be giving strategies for getting over it, (laughs) basically. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Basically, that is the gist of this episode. So getting straight to the point, which is point number one. Or excuse number one. Excuse number one, should I say. It's not my fault. It's X. It's blank. It's insert something here. Absolutely. So, uh, Matt, you probably back me up on this, that we hear this one so often. Yes, uh, blame shifting goes on in all walks of life. Uh, in, in this context, when it comes to weight loss, it is awfully easy to blame something or someone else for your state of being. So it's, uh, well, I mean, where do we start? It's the doctors, it's the medication, it's my trainer. It's my family. It's my friend. It's the weather. It's the weather's a good one. It's anything else apart from the fact that I am my own worst enemy. Mm. Blame shifting. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it is a massive one. So when now we're talking about ways of 
getting out of your own way when it comes to this excuse? Well, in the, well, look at it this way. What Blaming something or someone else for your weight problems, what are, what, what are you doing there? You're not taking responsibility for starters. In the end, and I know this because I've been there, Courtney knows this because she's been there, if you are fat, it's your fault. Yeah. You got yourself there. The same way you're the, you're the thing that's going to get yourself out. Mm. So in terms of Courtney, what Courtney was saying before, practical ideas for actually getting, getting out of this issue, well, step one is take responsibility. How about own the fact that you are the result of the choices that you make? Courtney, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think taking responsibility and owning your mistakes is essential with this one because, I mean, well, I mean, let's put it this way. No one wants to be wrong. No one wants to have made a mistake. It's not a, it's not a feeling that we enjoy. So I can completely understand the tendency of people just to try to hide that or try to, try to run away from that. But at the end of the day, running away or hiding mistakes or responsibility is not going to help in the long run. Not the slightest. So I completely agree. I think that it's it's an uncomfortable feeling to own your mistakes and to take responsibility, but it needs to be it needs to be done. Well, it's uncomfortable at the start mm. because it's a it's a fairly new thing if you haven't done it before, but it actually gets easier. Oh, it totally gets easier. It gets easier. easier and often the mistakes that we make and the things that we've done in the past are far easier to process and deal with mentally when you just own that shit. Yeah. Just own it. So you look at it, I think it's no coincidence that with the the best results and the best transformations that Courtney and I have ever had with any of our clients, there's something they've all got in common. Those great transformations, including our own, is that they've all been more and more willing to own their mistakes and take full responsibility for their choices. It's actually empowering. I agree. You learn more about yourself. You learn more about your habits, your good habits and the habits you need to sort of work on to you know, take more positive steps forward. But it is no coincidence that all of those great results that we've had, they've all got that thing in common where they just owned it more and more and have become more willing just to admit their faults. And I guess you'd say, well, I can't quite go as far as to say you give less fucks about it. Like, you know, you, you stop giving a fuck about making mistakes, but you don't let them hold you back. No. So how easy is it to say, I don't know, have an afternoon at a party and you may have a couple of uh, little treats and a few nibbles here and there. Oh, I've ruined it. <laughs> the whole thing's fucked. <laughs> That's it. I quit. I'm coming back next week, next month, next year, whatever. Where people that are more willing to go, you know what? I had a couple of treats this afternoon and I loved it. Absolutely. Just get back on with it. Yeah, just keep going. Just keep on trucking. And I think once you get in the habit of not owning your mistakes and... The habit of owning. No, of not owning. Oh, yeah, So okay. of hiding mistakes. Yep. I think that that in itself can become a really nasty habit where then you hide more and more things and... As as Matt just said, you're not helping yourself. You're not helping 
yourself in the long run because then there's no data to be able to look back on and say, okay, what can we sort of change here? How is things happening? Because if you're constantly lying to yourself and then you get in this cycle of lying to yourself about what you're eating and what exercise you're doing and it, it just it just goes on and on and on and gets really nasty. And it's not, again, it goes back to then the easy excuse of it's not my fault that I'm not losing weight. It's something else. Mm. Sorry, it's never something else. It's you. Yep. That's There's no other way to put it. Courtney touched on it before and I will dive into that a little bit more now as well. A big, a really good practical way to get over yourself in this regard and get past this really weak excuse is to collect information on what you're doing. Record everything. Record your training. Record what you're putting into your body. Because I touched on it uh, in our last episode. I think it was our last episode. The human mind likes to cover up mistakes that we make. Yeah. So if you rely... And that's, that's, that's human nature. That's normal. If you rely on yourself and your memory to keep track of mistakes you make through the process, you've got no chance in hell. Take it from me. Because the human brain wants to cover it up. Hmm. And then it's easy to then assume, oh, well, I'm actually not doing that bad. Yet, as you collect information on what you're doing, and this is something that a lot of people have said to me, including Courtney, with Courtney's own progression and her own journey, it's easy then to... Well, I guess you'd say once you're recording what you're doing, you start to realize how certain things have crept in. Mm. Oh, I didn't realize I was snacking that much. I didn't realize I was having that many treats. I didn't realize A, B, and C. Because the mind wants to disguise them. Yeah, absolutely, they do. And because, as I said, no one wants to feel like they've done something wrong. But I think as well, we often build up these mistakes to be bigger than they are. As Matt said... Mm. You know, a, a, if you have a treat, well, who cares? Just move on. Whereas Enjoy I think it. we build it up to be bigger than it is and we feel like we're going to get into trouble or... There's guilt. There's guilt or someone's going to be disappointed in us. So that's that just helps in the, our um, desire to cover up these sort of things and it's, and it's just not helpful. So It compounds the issue. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I'm, I'm good with number one. Matt, anything else you want to add? I think just recapping that before we move on, um, best ways to get over the excuse of it's not my fault. Actually, it is. Own it. Accept it. Deal with it. Watch what happens. All right. Yep. Number two of the five practical strategies for getting out of your own way. The second excuse. Well, it's not really an excuse, this one. It's more of a, more of a problem that can make people, well, have poor decisions. It's not happening fast enough. Mm. So I'm sure, well, I know Courtney and I can absolutely relate to this. Every single person we've ever worked with can relate to this. No doubt you can relate to this as well yourself. No matter how much progress you may be making, it's not enough. It's never enough. It's never going to be enough. So one, another sort of common thing that I've heard from every single person I've ever worked with, and I've been in the same boat myself constantly, it's not happening fast enough. Courtney, I know you can relate. Can you uh, 
add any sort of personal touch to this from yeah. your own perspective? And I think, and I think, just touching on what you said, but I think it sometimes it can be used as an excuse for quitting. I feel Ooh. like some people do use, oh well, it's just not happening fast enough, which means it's just not happening for me, which means it's just not working, do you mean, which means I'll just stop. Do you mean wait? I didn't lose 20 kilos the first week of my program. It mustn't be working. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So it can, this one can absolutely uh, become an excuse for really? people. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, it, it, it's it's another real common one. I mean, all, well, we picked these five for a reason because they're all so common. I think it's not happening fast enough. You really do get sucked into that mentality, especially in this day and age when everything has a catchphrase. Everything is a 28-day gimmick or a six-week or an eight-week or a... 14-day. Whatever. Four hours. It's seven-day, like, you know. There's just so many things. And, and all of these these headlines are all short time frames. So it it has trained us to think that that is realistic and then that is what happens. And the reason that these catchy short-term timeframes are put on the headlines is because they're appealing to people. Well, they appeal to desperation, don't they? Exactly. So they will advertising will continue to use them and we will be continually bombarded with the images of these short term headlines which means that we will continually be trained start, like psychologically be trained that that is normal that 28 days is the normal period of time that something happens you know what that means that also means that Courtney you and I will continue to point out the complete bullshittery of that approach. We will continue to talk about how it is not the normal period of time. It is a headline. So it is a completely, I wouldn't say a made-up thing. It's just, it's completely misleading. So it's it's not usually telling you really what you're going to get in 28 days, but the idea that we're going to get a whole body change in 28 days is so appealing when, as you said, Matt, when we're desperate that... Common sense, goodbye. Exactly. We just want to believe it so much. And I've been I've been sucked into this over time. I'm sure I don't think there's a single person alive who hasn't been sucked into this. Anyone, anyone that has an interest or a desire to drop some unwanted weight, get in good shape, has at the very least thought about having a crack at one of these quick fixes. Yeah, absolutely. Let alone done it. And so when we talk about something, you know, us getting in our own way, this is where we can get in our own way. Yeah, in a a massive way. It's just impatience as well. Uh, A lot of people, and and I can understand this because I've been there myself, but it's easy to be deluded into sort of, Hiding from just how big a hole you've dug for yourself. Yeah. And that it's going to take time to dig yourself out. So obviously, the older you get, the more time you spent abusing your body, doing these stupid yo-yo diets, under-exercise, over-exercise, etc. The longer it is going to take to correct those issues. That's just the way it works. Trust me. With every single person that Courtney and I work with, if we could wave our magic wand and get them in immaculate shape in seven days, we would have by now. 
because we'd be doing our podcast from our own private island. Yeah, we would be billionaires. We retired three years ago, but that's not how it works. No. So the issue here is it isn't happening fast enough, which leads to poor emotional decisions like, oh, this doesn't work. I'm going to go and try the next thing. And this just repeats for years and years and years. Practical strategies for getting past this. I'll kick things off, Courtney. Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to establish is a bit of a fact when it comes to this. And I touched on it before when I introduced this point. The fact is, it's never going to happen fast enough. Just get that in your head to begin with, to be honest. It's never going to happen fast enough. I've worked with enough people where the complaints go from nothing is changing to it's not changing fast enough to it's not changing in all the areas I want to have it change fast enough. <laughs> Point is, if you are changing for the better, celebrate. Yeah. yeah. High five, fist bump, well done. If you are making progress, then you are doing exceptionally well. Just understand that no matter how much progress you make over what period of time, it is human nature to look at the negative side of, oh, it didn't happen fast enough or it's not happening fast enough where we so easily overlook the accomplishments we've actually achieved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We always want to look at the negative, I think, well, in ourselves, it, it, really. It human nature, so that's it? why we do that. I think another one is, I think you touched on it before as well, Matt, which is to be patient. Yeah. Uh, patience is not exactly a great skill of anyone I know, no, well, <laughs> including myself. Not many people enjoy being patient. No, it's not, it's not a fun thing. It's... Being patient sucks, really. It just sucks. And and Matt, t- you touched on it before. This is years, decades of bad habits that we have to slowly undo. Yeah, slowly undo the habits. And then there's also just putting in the work consistently and building up that consistency so you get that positive forward momentum. Correct. So that's years undoing things like years of yo-yo dieting, years of no exercise, years of... Over-exercise. Years of, years of self-abuse. And I can speak to this from, from first-hand experience where I, I spent decades being heavily overweight, heavily self-abusive, and I didn't start getting really, really, really good results, like epic results, until two years in to, to you know, me starting to actually put some work in. Mm. Now, two years is a long time. Now, most people, unfortunately, aren't, wouldn't like it if I sat there and said to them, well, I have to tell you, your transformation is going to take two years. It may take less. It may take longer. No one's going to enjoy it. But you know what? The time's going to pass anyway. Yeah. The time is going to pass anyway. What are you going to do in that time as it passes? So, yeah, Courtney's nailed it. Um, patience as much as it sucks well really i mean what's the choice here be patient and let this thing play out or be impatient and keep going around in circles actually getting nowhere uh i want to also add to this as a practical strategy trust the process Mm. there are three words that i use a lot and all of my clients will attest to the fact that they've heard me say this to them you have to trust the process Especially if you have a plan. So let's say you're working with a trainer 
and you've had a discussion about what your goals are and there's been a discussion about the time frame involved that we're working towards here because that's part of smart goal setting, obviously, having a, t- a time frame. If there's a plan in place, you have to trust it, trust the people that you're working with and let this bloody thing play out. Mm. As I said before, if we could wave a magic wand and change you now, we would. Mm. We'd change ourselves now if we could. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, as, See, as you said, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. No, so you've got to trust the process. You've got to trust the people that you're working with. If, um, if you don't have a plan or don't have a process, I would suggest aligning yourself with an expert, someone who's been there and done that, someone who has done what you want to do or something very, very similar, and get a plan in place, be accountable and work towards it. You'd be surprised at how quickly you actually can start to make progress when there's a plan and a process in place that you can execute. Courtney, would you agree? Absolutely. And I think finally in wrapping up this point before we move on to number three would be just to block out the noise What do you mean as by such. noise? So what, what I mean by noise is who cares what the person next to you in the gym is doing. Who cares if that person comes twice as much to the gym as you're you're going to the gym? Who cares if your cousin Sue lost 15 kilos in 28 days? Who cares? She'll gain 16 in the next 30 days. Don't worry about your cousin Sue. Don't worry about the chick at the gym that comes twice a day every day. And probably hates life. Should I be coming to the gym more often? These sort of things start to creep into your mind. Should no. I should I just quit this and do what my cousin Sue did because she lost weight real fast? I think also when it comes to blocking the noise, just focus on what you're doing because you're gonna be you're gonna be exposed to well, websites, advertisements in magazines. If you read magazines, the magazines even exist these days. I'm not showing my age. <laughs> Uh, advertisements on the internet, ads on TV, it's noise. Yeah. It's all noise that serves to distract us from what we're actually doing. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing you can, a strategy you can implement to help get out of your own way when it comes to this, which is just to focus on what you're doing. And also I think not just focus on what you're doing, but look at how you can do what you're doing just that little bit better consistently. Yeah, Absolutely. Because it's one thing to have a plan and to start to execute it. It's another to consistently try to refine it or work to refine it and be better at it. Yep, absolutely. Cool. So that is it for number two, which was it isn't happening fast enough. So what's number three? Number three, why he slash she... Why is he slash she... I'm doing really well today, Matt... Why wow. is he slash she losing weight and I'm not? Which I think does feed in slightly about what we were just talking about. Well, it leads on from it, yeah. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So why why is he slash she losing weight and I'm not? Which can be, again, an excuse to quit what you're doing. It can be something that can really derail your progress if you focus too much on it. If you If you allow those negative thoughts to come in, why is that person doing that? Should I be doing that? Why is that person eating that? Should I be adding that into my lunch? Uh, you know, all, all these things just start to come up and we, we often second guess ourselves, especially as we've mentioned, 
this is not a short term thing. This is a long process and we need to be patient through it. But well, the rest just, of your life, isn't it? Yeah, and just like any sort of long term thing, these stumbling these not stumbling blocks but these things are going to pop up along the way that are going to challenge what we think and they can really derail you if you give it too too much ground really if you if you focus on it too much so the the why is he or she losing weight and i'm not wouldn't you say courtney this boils down to a problem with comparing yourself to others yeah, well, definitely. I think that's one of the main strategies when we're talking about not allowing this to uh, to de- derail your progress. So how do you get over that? Which is we're talking about strategies like stop comparing yourself to others. So then we talk about, well, how do you stop comparing yourself to others? So you really need to look at who you're comparing yourself to and why. So are you comparing yourself to people on social media? Uh, yes. Which is... Most people are going to say yes because that's what most people do. I've done it. Uh, we're on social media so often these days and there's so much on there that, of course, you're going to feel those feelings at some point. So strategy literally might have to be get off social media. <laughs> Stop looking at it all the time. As in, wait, are you saying put your phone down and go and live your life? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know, it's amazing. I can't live without my phone. So people, I've had clients say to me, oh, well, this person's doing this and this person does this and blah, 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 blah. And I've said to them, I said, oh, who was that person? I don't really know. They're on my Instagram. Why are you on Instagram looking at a person you don't know to the point where you can tell me everything about their life? Well, I mean, there's there are people that you can follow online that are inspirational. Absolutely. Uh, but I think there there is a fine line between... You can be inspired by what someone is doing and then start to draw, well, really irrelevant comparisons to yourself because you look at it, anyone that you are comparing yourself to, you don't know what they are doing specifically. So you don't know what their plan is versus yours. You don't know how long they've been doing it for. They could have, what, a two-year head start on you, a three-year head start, maybe longer. You also don't know where they've come from versus where you've come from. There's so many factors that go into it. I mean, so many. I've seen there's been athletes that have been at a high-performance athletic background their entire lives and then something happens and they gain some weight and then, you know, people start following them on social media because then they start to lose it again and people think, oh, wow, they're amazing in the gym but they don't understand that they've just had years of athletic background before that. That's, a, that's what we call an advanced training age. So, so little thing, it's just little examples like that where you don't know where they, they've, they've come from. So it's really, really dangerous to start comparing yourself to others. And I compl- totally agree with what Matt said in that definitely you can look to certain people for inspiration. I do. There's certain people I follow on social media for inspiration Kardashians, which is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with the Kardashians. They have, they have changed the way that people look at curvy figures. I think so. There is nothing wrong with the Kardashians, but cool story. I think, I think that it's definitely a good idea though to really make sure you have that barrier. Otherwise, this is where you start again to get in your own way, and the 
excuse of, oh, well, they're losing weight and I'm not, which means I'm what I'm doing must not be working, starts to come in. What other people are doing, quite frankly, is irrelevant. So I know that um, any, of, any of my clients that are listening to this will understand what I'm about to say very intimately. Whenever someone comes to me with a comparison or a client of mine comes to me with a comparison to someone else, my words tend to be on the lines of, I don't give a fuck. Whatever someone else is doing is irrelevant. What we're doing is what we're focusing on. It can, it can really spiral out of the control to the point where you say, oh, but that person was able to eat this and she still lost weight. Why can't I eat that? And it, and it, and it builds on from there. So well, look at it this way. Would you like to focus on what someone else may or may not be doing when in the end you're guessing or how about worry about your own shit? Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's made up differently. So there's not one side, one, what am I trying to say? All right, so moving on to oh. point number four, and I'm going to... Uh, I, 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 I assume you're done. <laughs> that was rude. No, move on. <laughs> All right, so thank you, Courtney, for so eloquently wrapping up point number three, why is he, she losing weight and I'm not. Now, moving on uh, to, uh, to point number... How are you going over there? <laughs> oh, we got the laugh happening, the giggles. Four, move on to four. All right, number four. Now, warning... The soapbox is coming because this is the one that shits me off the most. Oh, this is your favorite. If by favorite, you mean the one I hate the most? Yes. All right. Number four, I just don't have the time. Now, Courtney, would you like to say something before I go off my tree? (laughs) Yeah, I'll leave this one basically to you. But realistically, what Matt is going to be ranting about in a second no actually hold on yes what's your viewpoint on this one well i mean i just don't have the time basically that is an excuse a, a, a large excuse that people use when usually it comes to doing something that they don't want to do because we all know that when we want to do something the first response we have is oh but i just don't have the time when we want to really, when we really want something and we really want to do something, the usual first response is, oh, I'm really busy, but I'll make it work. Whereas when we don't really want to do something or we know that what we need to do is going to be hard or uncomfortable, the first response tends to be, yeah, I'm just too busy. I don't have the time. So I think that will lead nicely into what Matt is about to say. So... I just don't have the time. I want to just make one one overarching point before I get into, into the nitty gritty on how to actually get past this. So I need you to listen very, very closely. <laughs> if you find yourself saying, I just don't have the time to go to the gym. I just don't have the time to cook the food I need to eat to lose the weight that I say I want to lose, here's my first bit of advice to you. Get the fuck over yourself. If you want to do it, you're going to do it. So what really shits me to tears is when people come and say things like this. I don't like the way I am. I don't like the fact that I've put on 20 kilos in the last 12 months. I want to change. And then when it actually comes time to put in the work, 
oh, I'm just too busy. Well, that's fine. It's okay to be just too busy and not to have the time if you're okay staying fat. Mm. Is it worth it? Well, let's, let's break this down. <laughs> Speaking of practical examples. So, understand to begin with that humans, people, we will always make the time for the things that mean the most to us. Everyone is busy. Whether you're a parent, a non-parent, a business owner, a full-time employee, whatever you do in your life, if you are an adult, you are busy. Can we agree on that, Courtney? Yes. Okay. Now, one th- I think one thing that can present well, an obstacle mentally for a lot of people is they assume that you need to spend and dedicate every waking moment to whatever your process might be. So we have an exercise routine, and no doubt, if you've worked with a PT before, chances are you've been told something on the lines of, or you should be be told this, something on the lines of, you need to start preparing your food, you need to be ready, you need to be ready for pretty much any situation that comes up in your life. So we know if someone wants to lose a stack of weight and get in really, really good shape, they're going to need to exercise, and they're going to need to slowly adjust what they're putting into their body. Can we agree on that? Yes. Okay, cool. Now, let's look at the average recommendation that Courtney and I make to our clients that work with us on their transformations. We recommend two weight training sessions a week to begin with, generally. We generally recommend two intense cardio sessions a week. And we generally will recommend around about three less intense activities a week. So, you know, walking, swimming, bike riding, gardening, whatever. General movement. All right. So, if your weight training sessions take about 45 minutes, and if your intense cardio sessions take around 30 minutes, and your walk with the dog takes around 40 minutes, those two weights, two cardio and three less intense activities per week add up to 4.5 hours a week. That's not much, is it? No. Not all. So, the next part here. Let's say, in addition to this, we know that we need to go shopping every now and then to buy food because, hey, we're humans, we need to eat. And ideally, we need to cook this food so it's readily available for us to eat. Because anyone that's tried or is trying to lose weight will tell you, you ain't going to make much changes relying on food that other people cook. Mm. So there's going to be a time investment in terms of getting into the shops and getting into the kitchen. Now, Courtney and I have uh, crunched some numbers. Once you're in a routine and you know where you're shopping, what you're getting, how to cook and prepare things as fast as you can for what you want to have... You're looking at around about three hours per week put into shopping, chopping, cooking, etc. Courtney, how does that sound? That yeah. right to you? Yeah, okay. sounds about right. So we're looking at three hours a week in the in the uh, in the kitchen, about four and a half hours a week in the gym, which adds up to seven point five hours a week out of one hundred and sixty-eight hours in each week. Please tell me more about how you just don't have the time. And I mean, realistically, those those are quite conservative numbers too, 7.5. Even if, as you said, Matt, you weren't 
used to cooking and shopping and that sort of thing and you did it more frequently during the week rather than just maybe once or twice and you did you went up to even five hours per week with that I mean you're still you're still not talking you're still under 10 hours a week on exercise and cooking so let's say well I know for me the first time I ever started doing my own shopping and food preparation it would take me five hours at a time hmm it was really, really, really bad, actually. Oh, it used to take me a long time, too. Uh, what about now? Now now I've got it down to I am quick when I get to the supermarkets because I know exactly what I want before I go in there. And where it is. And where it is in the supermarket because I always go to the same supermarket. So you get to know exactly where everything is in the different aisles. So it's really quick to get in and out. I come home. I use my slow cookers a lot. So that's not considering the time that's in the slow cooker, that's just putting the stuff in the slow cooker. I mean, you you put stuff in the slow cooker and then you walk away. That's the lazy person's friend. I put stuff on the barbecue or in the fry pan or in the oven and I walk away and I come back and it's done. You right. know, put the timer on. So those sort of things when you, um, yeah, that I've developed different cooking methods that take time um off my um, prep time, it's it's becomes really sort of, I wouldn't say simple, but it's routine. It's a routine that you're comfortable with. Absolutely. So let's say then we're looking at you know seven and a half, between seven and a half to ten hours a week in total time spent on your transformation, your weight loss, etc. Mm-hmm. Is the end result worth? The seven and a half to ten hours a week out of 168 hours available that you put in. If the answer is no, then please cancel your gym membership. Mm. Please have a chat to your trainer if you've got one and you need to stop what you're doing because you ain't gonna succeed. The end result has to be worth what you're putting in, but just understand that our stupid industry likes to put across the idea of, well, if you can do something, then just do more and do more and more and more. Actually, the whole idea with getting a fantastic weight loss result is getting the most results from the least amount of effort you have to put in. So no more isn't better. Yeah. Better is better, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So this, I just don't have the time I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, and it I think... It drives me crazy. If you want it, take it from me. If you want it, you'll make the time. Absolutely. And I think that's really boils down to the strategies involved with this one. I think also, if I could just say, Courtney, just quickly before we move on, I know it is easy for me now, or for both of us, it's easy for Courtney and I now to sit here years into it and say, oh, yeah, it won't take much time at all. There is a reward for persistence and there is a reward for effort in that you actually don't need to spend anywhere near as much time doing this as you may think that you do. It's not that much. No. And I think that that is one of the key strategies with this one to really implement here in terms of getting out of your own way when it comes to the excuse of, I just don't have the time. Plan, 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 plan. Now the recording. Well done. Write yourself a plan and stick to it. Or work with someone that can help you write a plan. Then you refine the plan and that's all we've ever done. I mean, as you said, Matt, we're we're reaping the benefits now of years of 
uh, developing this routine where we've got it down to a small amount of time. But that is being developed, that routine, over time. So not everything I've ever tried has been useful. Some stuff I've tried in the past has actually taken more time. There is trial and error, and there has to be, but that's also where you know the data collection is so important because you can figure out what, what ways are fastest and most efficient for yourself. Correct. So I know one of the big things that helped me, because I, I know Courtney, as she may have said once or twice before, Courtney does not like going to the gym. Ugh. I'm far more agreeable to that. What really sort of stumps me personally is cooking, shopping, etc. I just hate it so much. So what has helped me with that are headphones. Mm. Having something to engage my brain with while I'm doing the mundane tasks of chopping food and cooking food and shopping for food, etc. Yeah, I do that too. So I have an Audible account, which uh, I get my audiobooks from. So I will have an audiobook on the go always, and I will listen to an audiobook when I go and do my shopping and my cooking. And as Matt said, it just keeps my brain stimulated and keeps me going. So that's a great strategy to use. Podcasts. Podcasts are great as well. But we, can, we can recommend a podcast, can't we? <laughs> yeah, no, great one. But it's also great, you know, really essential strategy is planning planning it out. So what, what Matt just went through in terms of the time it takes per week, that took him, just to put that down on paper, all of about two minutes before. So it's not going to be time consuming to plan out your week, but it'll be so beneficial in the long run. You know, it's also a habit because once you've got that, um, that routine down pat, you do it on autopilot mm. and all of a sudden the, the whole process is just so easy. Um, so yeah, I, I find that quite useful is just planning it out, uh, but also don't be afraid to distract yourself. I can recommend a, a quality pair of headphones. We'll, uh, we'll help the time go, go past pretty quickly. Definitely. Okay, moving right along to lucky number five. Last one. I'm too old, too injured, too something. Mm-hmm. This one is one that we've heard separately and together. So a lot of people will come to us and say, oh, yeah, I'd love to start getting, uh, getting into the gym or I'd love to change really focus on my body shape or even my functional strength, uh, but I'm just too old to start now. Or I've got this injury. Or they'll say, oh, yeah, I'd really love to get into the gym, but I've just got this niggling injury. I've had it for a long time. I just can't do anything. Wrong and wrong. So there it's only been one time in Matt and I since we've had our gym that we have legitimately told a client that she cannot train. And technically it wasn't even fully trained. So she could train upper body, but we actually had to tell her that she was not allowed to train lower body because we were given, uh, we spoke to her physiotherapist and was actually given the advice that she was going to be needing surgery, hip surgery, and it would definitely not be good for her to do any exercise at that point in the lower half of her body. Okay, great. That is one example in four years we've owned our gym. Every other person that has ever come through our gym has either come through our gym with an injury existing 
or they've been so inactive for so long that they come into our gym thinking, yeah, I'm fine. I've got no problem at all. And then they'll start moving and they'll start to realize, actually, I do have a sore knee or I do have this thing where I can't actually really do a push-up without my shoulder hurting. Okay, great, fine. Let's go get it checked. The thing with injuries is everybody has either had them in the past or will probably have them in the future. Well, it's part of uh, getting older, isn't it? We, we pick things up along the way. Absolutely. So there is absolutely no reason to let I'm injured get in your way because there is always something else you can do. Well, exercise is very flexible, isn't it? Because, Courtney, you said before that about an example where we've told someone they can't do certain types of exercise, but what could they do? Yeah, well... Other things. Yeah, there's always something else. There's always something you can do. So exercise is flexible and exercise selection is flexible. So I'll give a bit of a technical example. Um, Let's say you've got someone who gets shoulder pain doing a flat bench press on a flat bench. So it gives them shoulder pain. Okay, so what do you do? Do you persist with that movement, making it gradually worse? Do you completely quit exercise and not, it's not going to work, I give up? Or do you make a slight modification where you may adjust the angle of the bench? So if you have shoulder pain on a flat bench, try adjusting the angle on the bench slightly. You might adjust it to like a 20 degree incline Mm. or a 15 degree decline. Watch what happens. I know this from firsthand experience. I've had um, niggling shoulder issues most of my adult life where I get to a certain, a certain weight that I want to lift on the flat bench press and I get shoulder pain, real discomfort. However, if I have a slight incline in the bench, I have no shoulder pain whatsoever and can do the full movement at any weight my body's capable of. And I've done this with a number of clients as well, even going in the other direction where there's been some pain present on an incline bench press well, it's okay, let's just adjust the angle, go a bit more of a flat bench, pain goes away. Same thing as well with uh, a deadlift. We've all heard of a deadlift, it's the best exercise in the world. However, some people find it uncomfortable to do a, bar, a traditional barbell deadlift. I'm, I do. I'm now one of those people as well. Mm-hmm. However, the modification there is, well, let's bring in a hex bar or a trap bar as they're called. A hex bar, you hold the weight differently to how you do with the barbell and uh, all of a sudden, what pain? Yeah, absolutely. Pain goes away. So just understand the whole point I'm making here is that whatever the injury that you've got, exercise selection and even some technique is flexible. I know for myself, a couple of years ago, I developed a nerve impingement down the left side of my neck and lost a lot of strength in my left arm. So I had to make an adjustment as I was rehabilitating my left arm. I had to make an adjustment with my exercise technique, in particular on my bench pressing movements, where my physiotherapist advised me to put a little cushion underneath my head just to elevate my neck slightly. And what do you know? No pain, no discomfort, rehabbed the condition. And now it's, you know, Good as new. Yeah, well, I think, and even for myself, I've had 
back problems. Uh, I've had lower back problems stemming from postural. I have a postural problem that I must have developed when I was a child and just grew up with it, never saw as an issue until I was in my early 20s and it uh, became a real issue. I just thought having this was just sort of normal. I'd always been an active person, just considered my back pain as normal until it started to slightly turn into a little bit of nerve pain down my leg, went and got it checked and realized it was all stemming from a postural problem that I had. The second issue that I've always had is a hip issue. There is certain limitations that I have with uh, when it comes to uh, bending from the hips. And that again has just been something that I was born with. So it's just something that I have all becoming more and more active over the past several years. It has obviously become uh, an issue that I've become aware of. Uh, whereas years ago, I would never have been aware of it. So from becoming more active, I've become aware of it, but but the problem was already sitting there just waiting to be uh, discovered, really. Mm. So everybody really, in one way or another, has something. Well, I, I put it this way. I know for me, when I, when I meet clients either online or at our gym... What's abnormal now is to have someone that I work with where they've got no, no issues, no pre-existing issues or conditions. Normal is some sort of injury. Absolutely. It's just a part of life. Now, talking about or touching on the age issue, the I'm too old, uh, I've worked with people uh, in their 70s and have helped them improve their functional strength and their movement and their quality of life. Now, when it comes to age... What you'll find is that your performance can still improve uh, dramatically and you can actually feel a lot younger. The biggest factor that we take into account when it comes to age, which I tend to find, I mean, put it this way, anyone who's in their 30s knows that it's not quite what it was in their 20s, 40s isn't what it was in the 30s and so on. What you find is that as you get older, your performance, your top level performance still improves. It's just you need a greater amount of recovery. So I, both Courtney and I have worked with a number of people that have been in their mid 40s and up. And all we've had to really think about is how to structure their recovery. So when they are in the gym, they get the most out of their bodies and it doesn't you know, cause them you know, pain, discomfort, or recovery issues away from the actual exercise. So I'm too old. Well, no, doesn't cut it. No. Not the slightest. And there's also research that's been done out there that shows people can actually build muscle tissue in their 90s. So mm. we know that muscle tissue is the catalyst for dramatic improvements in body shape, improvements in immune function, uh, helps with um, reversing things like type 2 diabetes and is a preventative for type 2 diabetes. So people in their 90s are still capable of building muscle tissue. So please tell me more about how you're too old yeah. or how about don't. I think, I think with these two things that they come up so often is because... Well, it's an excuse. It's an excuse and it's just lack of knowledge a lot of the time as well. Yeah. It's lack of knowledge that that injuries happen to everyone or have happened to everyone. 
that everybody gets old. That that is just a fact of being alive. Yeah. But if if the reason for not doing it is if that is going to be your reason for not doing something, then it's just not that important to you in the first place. No, it's not. No. Uh, so I would say some advice that I give here, if you are concerned about you know training programs and exercise structure with regards to your age and or any pre-existing conditions you've got, I would just talk to the relevant people that you've got. So talk to your specialists, physiotherapists, chiropractor, osteo, etc., Talk to your trainer. Any trainer that's you know worth a damn is going to have the ability to be flexible when it comes to your training program to give you the results that you want without compromising things like your recovery or just your day-to-day function. Mm-hmm. Communication, funnily enough, goes a long way. Who'd have guessed? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. That is our five... You, you read it out, Matt, because I read it out wrong to begin Oof, with. That was not an awkward silence. Said I was no. going to read it out and then I thought, no, you know what? I stuffed it up the first time. All right. The episode title, Stop the Excuses, Five Practical Strategies for Getting Out of Your Own Way. Those are the five issues we wanted to bring up and talk about today. That often get in your way. That, that's, <laughs> yeah, that get in a lot of people's ways uh, because in the end, a lot of people focus on the yeah buts. So I want to lose... 10 kilos, 20 kilos, 30 kilos, yeah, but. And the yeah, buts get a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too much play for my liking in terms of people putting or empowering these yeah, buts to stop them from getting what they want. And I mean, I was so close, Courtney, I didn't tell you this, I was so close to putting, I can't afford it. Yeah. In here as well. That would be number six, but this is not, this is. Top five. Top five. Six. So uh, hopefully this has helped. Uh, Thank you for sticking around this long in the show. We've gone a bit long, so thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Uh, On that note, we're going to call it a show and wrap up. Courtney, well done. Smashed it again. Not really, but thanks. Well, hey, you look good doing it. You've got a real good head for podcasting. So I've once again entertained my wife because that's apparently what she married me for. Uh, So uh, on that note, we'll call it a show. Hope this has helped. We would love to get your feedback. You can uh, reach us via email at podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.